Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of the drifting believer to shore up their faith. There are many ways for every generation of believers to drift from the things that we have heard. The warning is to every believer in Christ. The condition of drifting is not one that is done in one decision or one act. You come on Sundays, you're involved in ministry. Then pretty soon you cut back. You say, well, you know, I can't be involved in ministry. Then pretty soon the Sunday goes. Pretty soon you're not here anymore. You're like the Hebrews. You're drifting. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Most, if not all, Christians would agree that God is their all in all. But why are there so many believers who have struggled with their faith? Today, Pastor Xavier takes a closer look at this dilemma by way of our continuing study series in the book of Hebrews. Today's Simple Truths lesson is titled, Drifting is Eternally Dangerous. Let's listen. Jesus said to his disciples one day, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. And then Peter said to him, and listen well, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, who his master will make ruler over his household to give them the portion of food in due season. Blessed is a servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and to drink and get drunk, and the master of that servant will come on a day that he does not look for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbeliever. Mark that well. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Notice the contrast. But he who did not know the non-believer yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few for everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. The author of the book of Hebrews has demonstrated that God has spoken in the past through the fathers by the prophets. But the revelation was incomplete and fragmentary. But God now has spoken through his son in these last days. He is the heir of all things. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. He is the second person of Godhead eternal. He is the redeemer of fallen man. For that reason, the author of Hebrews here begins chapter 2 by giving a stern warning to these Hebrew Christians regarding their allowance of the person to drift away from the complete and final revelation of God through his son in these last days. This is the first of five exhortations that are severe warnings to these Hebrew Christians against returning back to the Old Testament of shadows and types and fragmentary and progressive revelation when they have the final one. The warning is about allowing themselves to drift away from the great salvation they have embraced. And it's marked by three things here. Let me read. Therefore, we must give the most earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast in every transgression and disobedience receive a just reward... 
How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. And so the author, he's just so concerned about them as a spiritual father. And so he warns them about their drifting away from this great salvation has been trusted them, marked by these three things. Verse 1, the proclamation of the warning. Verse 2 and 3, you have the explanation of the warning. And then verse 4 gives us the verification that strengthens the warning. The proclamation of the warning is first marked by the reflection. Therefore, one word, the word therefore, as you know, always points back to what precedes. This is the sum total of all that's been said. Conclusion. In view of the fact that it is in and through the Son that God the Father has given the full revelation, the complete and final revelation of himself, therefore the Son is superior to the prophets and the angels. In view of the fact that the angels are commanded to worship the Son, no angel has ever been asked to sit at the right hand of the Father, that they minister to the heirs of salvation through his orders then conclusively, Jesus Christ is superior to them, both prophets and angels. The reflection, the reflection is good. When you reflect, you think before you act. When you reflect, you think of what you have. When you reflect, you think before you speak. Then comes the exhortation. We must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. The word must, underline it. It has the idea of one of obligation. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. No one's the exception. It's absolute obligation. The same word is used in Acts 5.29. We must obey God rather than man. We ought, the old King James. Now, the present imperative here is a stern warning. The word heed means to pay close attention. It's described by the two words more earnest. Very careful. And it's a continuous Action, literally to hold to, implying danger. It's something that's to be continuous because there's a danger ahead. They're drifting. That's what the implication is. There's danger. The cognate word of, the, of this word is repeated later on. Uh, in fact, in, in chapter 3, look at 3 6. Uh, but Christ, as a son over his own household, whose uh, house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope from to the end, okay? Hold fast, same word. Look at verse 14 of the same chapter. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, same word. Very, very clear. Now, notice the specific to heed are clearly stated. To the things we have heard, the words God has spoken about and through the Son was the Father's final revelation. These are the things. They're not left for, uh, for speculation, he is the last and only person the Father speaks through in the last days. He is the Son of God. He is the heir of all things. He is the agent of creation. He is the perfect representation of the Father. He is the sustainer of creation. He is the one who purged our sins. After that, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He is the only begotten Son by virtue of being the Son. And the New Testament compliments on that. He's the one that is worshipped by the angels. He's the one that's perfectly eternal. In fact, he's the one who's waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool so he can conquer them. He's the one that gives orders to all the angels to do whatever he wishes. These are the things he says, don't let your mind drift. This is the one you have to think about. These you have to understand. 
Then notice the consternation is next. Lest we drift away. The technical term is used um, of a boat drifting aimlessly past and missing the landing point, being at the mercy of the current. Now, you've gone on a ship, you've gone fishing, you know, you drop your anchor. Or you get tied to the deck there, all right? The opposite would be to hold that ship towards the port, to fasten it so it doesn't drift. In fact, this very word in classical Greek is used for a ring that slips off a finger or the snow that slides off of a soldier's body. A departure. In fact, this word regularly was used as something which has carelessly or thoughtlessly been allowed to become lost. Carelessly, thoughtlessly. We allow the most precious things to become commonplace. In fact, the Greek scholar Linsky, and listen to him well, he states, while the heiress is effective, actually caused to drift past, the indefinite, less ever or at any time, warns against its becoming actually at any time. The danger is not one of the present moment only. Now, the Bible is for every generation. So if it was a potential in them, guess what, guys? We have the same potential. Unless you think you've arrived. The truth about Jesus, the Son of God, that were proclaimed in and through the gospel, these things they were drifting away from, they were getting off course. Jesus is the only one that could anchor them and keep them from drifting. Except, listen, our, our anchor's weird. Here's our anchor, up to heaven. And I'm on that thing. And the winds come, they blow me away, but I'm, I'm hooked on. <laughs> All right? Our anchor's weird. It's anchored in heaven. He's going to tell us later on. In fact, later these Hebrew Christians will be told that the hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Hebrews 6.19, up in heaven. The author, Paul, identifies and includes himself. Notice that. Lest we drift away. So the Hebrew Christians were exercising their free will to move away from Jesus and back to the Levitical system of animal sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins. John told the church of Ephesus, you have left your first love, Revelation 2.4. Jesus doesn't leave us. People leave Jesus. That's why when people talk about losing your salvation, it's the wrong, wrong words. Jesus loses no one. We leave Jesus. Jesus said, well, I wonder where I put him. I don't know, where I, where I put him. <laughs> Drifting is like um, going to the beach. Maybe you remember going to the beach. You're going to go out there body surfing, boogie boarding, whatever. Beautiful day, all kinds of people. You're out there, and you're into it, man. The wave, perfect. The sun, everything else, the rise. You get done, half hour, you get out. Well, you're, you're a mile down. The current has taken you. You've gotten so caught up in the moment. You get caught up in the world of different things. Like that plane going down that runway. One degree off at the end of the runway. Insignificant. If he's going to Hawaii, he'll never land there. Drifting. The farther you travel on that drifting course, the farther off you get. Jesus warns constantly the people that he preached to about their hearing. Listen to Mark 4.24. Take heed what you hear. 
He's talking about the peril of the sower. For with the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and to you that are here, more will be given. Luke 8, 18, the same parable of the sower. He says it a little different. In Matthew, he says, take heed, listen, what you hear. In Luke, he says, take heed how you hear. What are you hearing? How are you hearing? Are you hearing to obey? Or are you hearing simply to know? Are you hearing to be obedient? Or are you hearing to just kind of drift away from what you're hearing? Paul constantly warned believers to know God's word, lest they be deceived. Uh, if, if to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 11:3, 3, he says, But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceive Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The Christians he's talking to. Paul to the Ephesians says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every one of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. That's why we're in the church. We grow, we learn, we mature so that we stay on track. Now you, some people get into this, oh, I have church at home. Are you, are you shipwrecked? Are you the only one on an island? Then have church by yourself. You're in the city, go find a church. You're not gathering together, you're like the Hebrews. You're drifting. You're drifting. The warning is to every believer in Christ. The condition of drifting is not one that is done in one decision or one act. The condition is one of slow and steady process through a prolonged period of time by being careless, indifferent, and neglecting what you know about the gospel. Pretty soon you come on Sundays. You come at night. You're involved in ministry. Then pretty soon you cut back. You say, well, you know, I can't be involved in ministry. Then pretty soon the Sunday goes. Pretty soon you're not here anymore. You're drifting. There are many ways for every generation of believers to drift from the things that we have heard. But rather than give you a list, they will all fit into one of three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. 1 John 2.16. You fill in the blank. How often does the scriptures call the believer to think, to meditate, to remember that we not drift away from the course that we're in? In fact, Peter puts it this way, uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 5 through 12. And listen well to what he says. He says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Same word, steadfast in Hebrews. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Next verse, Peter says, the Lord's told me, I'm going to go home. I'm leaving this letter, so you always remember. Who was Peter writing to? Listen, listen. Hebrew Christians. First Peter, second Peter, Hebrew Christians. Book of Hebrews, Hebrew Christians. It seems that the Hebrew Christians were the ones that always wanted to go back in the first century. This is the proclamation of the warning. It was stern. Just as you are stern with your child when they're drifting from what you've taught them, from what is honorable. Notice secondly, the explanation of the warning is found in verse 2 and 3. First in verse 2, these Hebrews are reminded of the plain fact regarding the consequence if a person disobeyed the law in the past. 
He tells them that the law was spoken through the angels on Mount Sinai. The author told these Hebrews that God held his people in effect here, responsible for the word that they had received and the one he had revealed to them. The word if represents a fulfilled condition, not a hypothetical one. It could be translated in view of the fact. Okay? So there's no hypothetical situation here. Twice in the New Testament, we are told that angels were the agents of the law. Stephen in Acts 7, 38 and 53 says, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Paul in Galatians 3, 19, he says, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgression till the seed, Jesus Christ, should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of the mediator. The quote is Deuteronomy 32, 2 from the Septuagint. Okay? Now, Josephus, the historian, also tells us about the angels being the mediators. Another testimony about that. Now, notice he tells these Hebrews also that even though the law was God's divine revelation, it was inferior in comparison to the final revelation by the Son by virtue of its incompleteness and his person. The agency angels, which are inferior, now the Son, who is superior. So nothing wrong with the revelation. The revelation is not inferior by the content, but by the agent. The phrase proof steadfast is one word in the Greek. It means sure, firm, trusty, or trustworthy. Of the nine times it appears in the New Testament, five are found in the book of Hebrews. In the vernacular, the word steadfast came to mean valid. In fact, in the papyrus, it is a technical term implying legal security. You're liable. It's authentic. In other words, the revelation is authentic, authoritative to Moses and Israel. Though fragmentary and incomplete, it was God's revelation. And the tense, by the way, in the Greek indicates the state that is now obsolete. So the prophets are over. The son is in. He's the one. But notice also he points out that every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. Now, you know the word transgression means a stepping across the line. A willful and deliberate, un unwilling to hear, purposely. Here's the voice of God. Transgression. The word disobedience means a failure to hear by careless, inattentive hearing, by an unwillingness to hear, resulting in deliberate rejection of God's will. The one is a willful, this is unwillingness to hear. Notice the consequence of such an action was that the person would receive a just Reward. The word just means fitting, appropriate, appearing only two times here and in Romans 3.8. In other words, when you disobey, you get what you deserve. Not only in sowing and reaping, but ultimately through the hand of God. And the word reward means to award or pay what is due. The context is punishment. Somebody might read, oh, that's good. God's going to reward me for my disobedience. No, no. He's going to give you what you deserve in disobedience. He's going to give you your wages. Later on, he uses it in chapter 10, verse 35 and eleven thirty-six. 36. Now, notice secondly here. These Hebrews were reminded about the plain fact regarding the severe consequences of a person disobeying the gospel in the present. 
Verse 3. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If those under the law, that which was mediated by angels, could not escape judgment from the law and the hand of God. And we have many examples. They had them. These were Hebrews. The sons of Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and Leviticus uh, 10, 1 and 2. God schooled them first offering. They got a little tipsy, drank some Boone's Farm, and... Uh, God barbecued them, killed them. The men who followed Korah in the rebellion, God opened up the earth and swallowed them up in Numbers 1632. Achan took of the accursed thing, the Babylonish garment, the silver and the gold. They stoned him. They knew about punishment. Here's the principle again. He's already used it in the first chapter. The lesson is from the lesser to the greater. How shall we escape? Now, you've got the Old Testament. They didn't escape. How dare you think you can escape? If they did not escape the fragmentary and complete revelation, what in the world would possess you to think that you're going to escape the final and ultimate and the clearest revelation? Those who neglect the message of the Son face a fate worse than mere physical death by those of the Old Testament. Eternal death. We're all going to die physically. But as a Christian, death is really, by the Bible, is def defined by eternal separation from God. That's what he's talking about here. Later on, he's going to say in chapter 2 that Jesus Christ tasted death for every man. He's not talking about just physical. He's talking about eternal death, separation from God. The question is rhetorical again. Notice, it has an obvious answer. As we have seen in chapter 1, and the answer is obvious, so here... We won't escape nor anyone else. And the author includes himself, we. That's good. Daniel says, we have sinned against you. Always include yourself. Lest him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Never exclude yourself. Notice he tells them exactly what they are guilty of. If we neglect so great salvation, it doesn't say reject, but neglect. The word neglect means to make light, to regard it not, to be careless. In fact, the word is used of those who made light the invitation to the wedding in Matthew 22, 5. They didn't come. And so the king destroyed them. They were not taking heed to what they had heard about Jesus in the gospel. They wanted to return to animal sacrifices for the atonement of their sin. And as we're going to see, there was no more atoning in the sins of animals. It was done. In fact, they were already forsaking the gathering of the saints as the manner of some is in Hebrews 10.25. They weren't going to church anymore. They weren't gathering. Oh, be careful that you don't gather in the church. You don't have to come here. You go where God takes you. But you go. You go, you be committed, you be part. You pray, you study, you grow, you be used. You occupy till He comes. In fact, he says that this great salvation is identical to the words God has spoken through his son in those last days in chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord preached it. The same God of the Old Testament was speaking to them. For that reason, they must give a more earnest heed to the things they had heard, lest they drift away. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of staying close to the Lord or suffer the consequences. 
Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there'll be much more to this message that we'll be concluding right here next time as well. Now, if you can't join Pastor Xavier then, you can always pick up your own copy of this message on CD for just $4. The title to ask for is, Drifting is Eternally Dangerous. Once again, it's called, Drifting is Eternally Dangerous. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, Call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the impact of this ministry in your area. What does salvation look like? The answer is coming up when Pastor Xavier Reese brings us the next edition of Simple Truths. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 